We are Anthony and Danielle. We own a pet food store in Columbus, Ohio called Fangs and Fur that is focused on educating pet owners on feeding food nature intended for our pets. You can find us on Instagram at Fangs and Fur Pets or Facebook at Fangs and Fur. If you want to send in a question for Anthony to answer at the end of each episode, message us through our website at fangsfur.com. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and leave a review. This is the Fangs and Fur Podcast. All right, all right. So how did Girls Gone Raw Pet Health get started? Well, you know, it spent my whole life watching our dogs suffer from chronic yeast infections, arthritis, GI issues, and cancer. After finishing my veterinary science degree and working in the pet food industry for a while, I was exhausted by all the BS and misinformation being fed to pets and pet owners, and I decided to take a stand on it. My mission from the beginning has been to be transparent, be a reliable source of nutrition education, and only use ingredients that actually benefit our pet carnivores. That's amazing. It's amazing because it's, it's just hard to sort out the good from the sketchy in the pet food realm. Pet owners, just, they just want to know what's best for the animals. Yeah, you know, and that's exactly why we use our social platforms to educate rather than advertise and to work with amazing health-focused independent pet retailers like Fangs and Fur all over the country. We want to help pet owners feel confident about what they're giving their pets and empower them to boost their pet's health and longevity to its full potential. So get fresh and go raw with us. Follow us on social media at Girls Gone Raw Pet Health or check us out online at girlsgonerawpet.com to see our small batch dehydrated treats and chews and to get tips on how you can improve your pet's health naturally. All right, back for more Q&A with Anthony. A segment or episode dedicated to beginners who want to learn how to feed raw. I know that's going to be a good one. I think it's been a while. I think we did a podcast about this, like one of our first ones. Um, So I'll just, we'll do like a, I'll just do a quick little kind of segment for this. It's a, it's a really good question, um, and I we get this asked a lot in the shop. Like, where do like, where do we start? And I think people have this like crazy idea of what it means to feed raw food. Like, it's like it's there's this idea that it's crazy expensive and it's really difficult, and it's actually you know incredibly easy. I say with if you're gonna start feeding raw, I have nothing against doing uh, DIY raw if you're if you're you know. Um, if you've done the research and, you know, you've read, you've been doing some good reading on that. Um, there's lots of good sources out there. Dr. Judy Morgan, um, is one. Dr. Karen Becker has a good book. Um, obviously my man, uh, Steve Brown in his couple of books, he's got a book called, uh, Unlocking the Ancestral Diet and Sea Spot Live Longer. Dr. Ian Billinghurst's book, Why Give a Dog a Bone, Give a Dog a Bone. Um, so tons of good resources if you want to do DIY. And I say if if that's your that's your end goal, that's fantastic. I love that. Um, I I used to do it, um, and I love doing it until you know I was my time was limited. I just don't have time for it anymore. But um, I would say if you're going to get started, I would start by doing. And I, I'm not I'm not selling you on commercial raw food. I'm just saying it's. Believe me, it's it's easier just to kind of get some famili- familiarity. I always have a hard time saying that word. But just getting kind of uh, used to feeding raw food in general first. So I would just do the commercial raw food. Um, and then slowly start either adding some stuff or um, slowly start taking on, you know, a DIY diet. But I would start with the commercial raw uh, to begin with just to kind of get your feet wet, get comfortable with it, get used to it. Um and then, and then go from there. Uh, another thing I'd say is, um, as far as, you know, raw food for beginners, I have a lot of people that think they have to do like full raw 
to get the the benefit and it's just that's just not true and it's actually you know been scientifically proven that you you only need like 20% of their diet to be raw food to actually have some amount of of benefits um and you can definitely mix i mean for the, i think it's a very low percentage of dogs have issues like mixing raw and and processed food um i've never seen it so you can definitely mix raw and 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 I have tons of customers that do a lot of I have a lot of customers that do half and half, um, and so that's always, you know, a good a, it's a big hurdle for people. People think that they have to do full raw and that you don't. You can just use it as a topper, you know, use it as ten or twenty percent of their diet. Just give them some fresh food. I always tell people like if you're pretend you're eating McDonald's three times a day and you're one day you decided, you know what, I'm actually going to like do a really healthy meal in place to one of those McDonald's meals every day. It's going to obviously have a, a benefit, um, some good results. So, um, another thing, even, even before you even start introducing the raw food, it's just really, we just want to get your toes wet. Um, a, a great starting point is like we just talked about, you can do bone broth on top of the, on top of the food. Or my favorite, you know, goat's milk. Um, goat's milk is a great way, great additive, a great supplement to kibble because you're adding moisture back in, you're adding enzymes back in, all those digestive enzymes that are lacking um, in processed food, and also uh, probiotics. I know there's a lot of food now that, you know, processed food that says with added probiotics, and let me tell you something, there's, I doubt that they're even still alive in that bag that's been sitting on the shelf for a year, but um, there's also just not enough C CFUs to actually have... Uh, good results. So, um, you know, the goat's milk, you're kind of adding all three of those back in, which is, which is really great. And also your dogs, it's super, it's usually really palatable. The dogs really like it. So, um, and then once you do start introducing food, I would definitely, you know, int and start introducing the, the commercial raw food. I would just start with one protein for a few days, um, or even a, you know, a full box, just do one protein. Um, and then after that, don't be afraid to introduce another one. I always have people that, their dogs seem to like this this first protein that they tried a lot and they do really well on it and they're afraid to to branch out and try other proteins or even other brands. Um, my big thing is I always tell people like, let's try to at least get three proteins in rotation. I mean, for my dogs at this point, I mean, I, I try to bring home something they've never had before. Like I'm always trying to, I'm always trying to give as much variety as possible. So not even just within a brand, but also, um, you know, among all different kinds of brands. You know, my dogs eat small batch one week. They'll have Vital Essentials another week. They'll have Answers. They'll have Steve's. It's just Northwest Naturals. Like we'll, we'll do all all the different foods and um, or all the different formulas and all the different brands just to give them a variety. Because again, the bacteria in their gut um, feed off of different ingredients, different food, right? So the more the more variety we give them in their diet, the more diverse their microbiome is going to be, which means they're going to have a healthier microbiome, which means they're going to have a healthier foundation and immune system and so on and so forth. So I think that's a good starting point. It's just doing um, a commercial raw food um, just to kind of get your feet wet. And then uh, if you wanted to do DIY, those books are really a great starting point. Um, but I would definitely, maybe while you're reading those books, just start with some commercial raw food in their diet. And again, it doesn't have to be the whole diet, just a little bit because a long ways. And with that question, we're also going to add, um, we're going to tack on the the podcast we did about this earlier on uh, when it comes to just kind of introducing raw food or if you're new to raw food, um, how to go about it, how to get your feet wet. 
there's lots of myths surrounding raw food, but the um, kind of dwindled it down to seven that I think are the ones that are probably most talked about or most asked about in the shop. I'm going to kick it off with myth number one, I think is the, the top myth of raw pet food, and that is feeding raw meat places your dog at risk of salmonella. From a statistic uh, point of view, you know, if you look at the FDA enforcement reports from 2012 to 2019, 98% of the pet food recalls were actually from kibble, from dry pet food. So that's about 150 million pounds of dry pet food. So the, the thing too is that dry pet food is also contaminated with other things. It's not just uh, salmonella or listeria E. coli. It also can be, you know, mycotoxins. They've been tested for extreme levels of glyphosate and then vitamin overdoses, which is extremely common because all these companies are using synthetics. And so when you, when you supplement with something like vitamin D, you better make sure that it's the right amount because that's a fat-soluble vitamin and it can't be excreted out the body as easily as uh, water-soluble vitamins. I think it was uh, Royal Canin that got a lot of trouble for this, affecting a lot of pets in Europe and also in the U.S. because they put too much vitamin D in their synthetic premix. So if you're feeding kibble, you know, statistically, statistically speaking, you are more likely to contract salmonella. I always tell people this when they come to the shop, like here, if you're, if you're feeding dry pet food, and if you're feeding raw food, like either one, you should be washing your hands afterwards. Um, and some people will tell me like, yeah, we, we like our kids feeding our pets, but like with the raw food, we don't really want them feeding the pets. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting because you let them feed the kibble before. And so it's, you know, it, you use the same protocols. So at the end of the day, you just, you don't really have control over what you're feeding to your pet when it comes to, when it comes to feeding dry pet food or processed food. And you don't really know what's in it, I guess is my point. Recently, just a couple of weeks before we are doing this podcast, Rachel Ray's premium limited ingredient lamb and rice formula was tested. They did the DNA analysis on the pet food and found that not only was this, uh, again, it was a limited ingredient. So lamb and rice were, you know, supposed to be one of the few ingredients in there, but it tested positive for horse and chicken and cow. Um, and wasn't there dog too? There was even dog That's, in the formula. Oh so you're, gosh. you're feeding your dog, dog. You know, and it, and it wasn't even, I mean, it's, it's wrong on so many levels, but this was even supposed to be a limited ingredient diet. So just imagine what's happening with some of the other foods. If you want to go down a rabbit hole, you can look up rendering rendering facilities, and that's that's pretty much, you know, why that's happening. But I think this point alone is so shocking because I get this a lot, and I'm nowhere near as knowledgeable as you, but a lot of my friends will say, oh, that's just so dangerous to do raw feeding. I'm like, but it's If not. they only like, knew. Yeah. 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 The I think there's a, there's another study done not too long ago, I think it was a couple years ago now, that they tested 10 pet foods for, dry pet foods for glyphosate, and 9 out of 10 tested positive for extreme levels of glyphosate, which can really affect, I mean, we wonder why our dogs have so many allergies and issues now, but just inhibiting the, the growth of some healthy bacteria in the gut and, and some inflammation in the gut. You have to think, you know, these companies, you know, they're, you know, our, the, the commercial raw pet food companies that we sell, you know, they're using lots of protocols to ensure not only safety, but quality as well. Even more so, you would think, than all the dry food. 100%, because it's raw food. And these companies are coming from a place of, you know, they're coming from a place of, they, they, they started because they realized, they realized that there was something wrong with the pet food industry and that the pet foods that they were making, they, they weren't species appropriate they the dogs and cats were getting sicker you know they they there was an issue there's something going on and you know they weren't using fresh food so these companies were 
they kind of erupted out of a place of frustration like they wanted a, a better product um and you know they you know they have a lot of protocols to ensure you know that that their their pet food is the it's safe because you know they have a lot of strict you know you have the um like the Ohio Department of Agriculture is really strict on pet food here in Ohio the FDA you know so there's you know there's a lot of entities that really want to put a an end to the raw food but um, so they, you know, they make sure that they do their due diligence and make sure that it's clean food. So they, you know, some companies use HPP. So they use uh, essentially cold water pressure to disable pathogens uh, using about 14,000 PSI, which is a really cool process because it also preserves the healthy bacteria and the enzymes, just killing the pathogenic bacteria. You have companies that use fermentation, like Answers Pet Food that uses fermentation to inoculate it with a bunch of healthy bacteria so that bad bacteria can't grow on it. Um, that you know these companies do third-party laboratory testing on every batch before it's before they're released and then just the sourcing the sourcing is super clean you know they're sourcing from you know organic farms regenerative farms you know, grass-fed grass-finished beef you know it's things you can't even find in the grocery store anymore so it just comes from a, a whole different place you know the you know the dry pet food companies these, these big pet food companies you know they're owned by mars uh nestle you know nestle purina um smuckers you know so these they're they're candy companies essentially and they're making pet food before we move on to the next one it's just you know salmonella is for a healthy dog it's it's difficult for them to get sick from from a pathogen like that i mean when you look at the the physiology of a dog i mean their ph is is damn near one which is extremely acidic it's a, a characteristic that's very unique to carnivores the hydraulic acid in their stomach is actually comparable to concentrated sulfuric acid or, or battery acid. So it's meant to be a line of defense against, you know, against pathogens because, you know, let's not forget our dogs are, are facultative carnivores. They've been eating raw meat and rotten carcasses. I'm not saying feed your dog rotten carcasses. I'm saying feed them fresh food, fresh meat, but they've been eating this stuff for millennia. So this is it's just, it's an evolutionary benefit to protect them from getting sick and, and, you know, keep them alive, keep them thriving. Their digestive tract is also really short, you know, for the same reason. So Salmonella takes about 12 hours to incubate. The dogs dogs process food into waste in about four to six hours. So, you know, do the math. Not to say that they can't, you know, or they, not to say that they can't get sick from salmonella, but, you know, if you're feeding your dog fresh food and you're keeping them healthy, like most likely they're not. I have, I've had some people that were scared to feed raw, it just crack raw egg on their food. I showed my kids the other day that you can eat a raw egg. <laughs> I, well. <laughs> I just cracked one open and ate it. Now I made sure it was pasture raised and it wasn't just some factory farmed egg, but a lot of humans eat raw eggs, you know, weightlifters and all these people and, mm -hmm. and you know, but if we, and they don't get sick. We've been feeding raw food for, I mean, I've been feeding mozzie raw food for 11 years, almost 11 years now. We have a two and a four year old that often help me, you know, feed the dogs and we've never ever had any kind of cross contamination yeah. issue whatsoever. And I, I'll, I'll admit, I'm not the best at, you know, I don't know, <laughs> being sanitary. I don't know how else to well, say this. I was going to say wiping down the counters. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know if yeah. You're going there. wiping down the counters, <laughs> putting things in dishwasher right away. You know, things like that. I mean, I, I we do, but you know, it, it it can be you know, the house can be a little busy sometimes. I think at the end of the day, we can't be afraid of bacteria. Most of the human body is bacteria. I think we're ninety what nineteen or ninety percent uh, microbial. So we're made of hundreds of trillions of microbes in and on our bodies. So you know, we, we can't live without bacteria, but it's about having, you know, a good balance of, of good and bad. Just to kind of cap that one, you know, I think the risk of feeding, the, the risk of, of 
having sal- salmonella is actually greater when you're feeding kibble, just from the from the standpoint of of looking at the pet food recalls in the last you know decades. Myth number two: uh, a raw diet will make your dog aggressive. I actually heard this from a. I've uh, never heard that. Oh yeah, I've heard this when we first opened. Someone came in and said their vet said that. It's like, dear God, I immediately I immediately there. gave him Dr. Carlson's card. But yeah, there's actually no no supportive data showing that dogs become more aggressive or bloodthirsty on raw diets. Um, It's a complete myth that was mostly just generated by big pet food, you know, like, like a lot of these myths are, but let me kind of explain why that's actually not true. And, and, you know, the, the opposite, I I would argue the opposite is happening. Um, So kibble being, you know, 40 to 60% carbohydrates, that's all sugar. So all those carbs are converting to sugar in the body. That's like throwing kindling on a fire and just watching it ignite on your dog. So now all day, I mean, you're it's you're, you're just seeing these these sugar spikes and crashes all day, you know, and that causes anxiousness and anxiety, frustration, aggressiveness, etc. Raw food, on the other hand, it's like throwing a big oak log on the fire and just watching it, you know, just a nice, slow, steady, healthy burn, because raw food is mostly you know protein and fat, so. You know, we work with a lot of trainers locally for this reason because they don't, you know, they, they would much rather train a dog that's on raw food than on kibble because it's much more, it's much more manageable. You know, the dog's not, you know, spiking and crashing all day. I say this a lot. I don't know if Jordan listens to this. She's kind of, she's going to roll her eyes, but she, she hears me say this in the shop a lot. But imagine eating donuts. If you have three donuts for breakfast and uh, another one for lunch, like you're, you're going to be, you're not going to feel great, you know. It's quite the opposite, you know, and we, we hear this a lot. We get a lot of like, this is one of the, the most talked about things or the most talked about benefits of raw in the shop is just like a behavioral difference in their dog, like a, a calmness, like they're not like tired or lazy, but they're just more, they're calm and they're more focused and much more trainable. So it's actually uh, quite the opposite. Raw food will not make your dog more aggressive. Now, the third one is definitely the most common in my opinion, that I hear personally, and that's most dog owners can't afford yeah. to feed raw or it's too expensive. And from a personal experience, I had Foxy for six years before Anthony and I got together, and I was spending thousands of dollars on her with various stomach issues and taking her to the vet. And I mean, it just added up. So. You can go on with all the specific reasons, but I can say personally, like absolutely not to feed her. It's like not. Well, yeah, she's she's 10 pounds. (laughs) You know, you can. It's crazy because with with raw. Well, anyway, raw food is more expensive. So that's not a myth. (laughs) Wait, we can move on. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, it is it is more expensive up front. Right. So like, you know, raw food is is it's it's going to be, you know, pound for pound. It's going to be more expensive um, than feeding dry food. But I think that the question you really should be asking is why is dry food so cheap? You know, it's because they're using cheap ingredients. And this is, you know, my kind of my main point on this is, is you know, when you feed a fresh uh, species appropriate raw diet, it's it's a proactive investment for your dog's health. You know, you'll save a lot of money in the long run, you know, just by not paying for the vet visits because your dog has, you know, diabetes or UTIs, allergies, rotten teeth. I mean, I, I, I have a couple people that have come in that will take their dog twice to the vet a year to have their dental cleanings. Like that's every twice a year, you're knocking your dog out. It's just anyway. the stress that's having on your dog just to knock them out, just to have their teeth cleaned. And again, and then, and then people still argue that kibble cleans dog's teeth, which is, 
absolutely ridiculous, but you save a lot of money um, in the long run when when you feed raw food. I mean, I look at my own dog, uh, Mozzie, and you know he's never had a teeth cleaning his, in his entire life. He's got perfect teeth, and he's never had a teeth cleaning. And I'm not even that. I'm not the best at brushing his teeth. I mean, maybe I do it once a quarter. Fox Foxy, signs. you know, Foxy on the on you know on the other hand, she you know she was fed kibbles and bits for six or seven years, so she had to have Sorry, eighteen Fox. teeth or you know eighteen teeth pulled, and still doesn't have you know great uh, dental hygiene. So, well, um, it's funny too if you <clears throat> listen back to our um, recording with Dr. Carlson. He's our local vet. Trust him, love him, but he's like, I don't want to see your dog that often, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's right. He's well, he, you know, he talked about something I haven't forgotten was he said that, you know, and he said in China with the doctors there, it's so there's, it's like, if you get sick, you don't go back to see that doctor again, like, cause it was their fault. Like they didn't, they didn't prepare you. They didn't, you know, keep you healthy. And so it's, they're kind of to blame where now it's like, if you get here in the United States, it's like, if you get sick, then you go see your doctor, Mm -hmm. you know, well, it's kind of the same principle. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, this is, you know, feeding a, a fresh raw food diet is, is a proactive, preemptive way to to make sure your dog doesn't have all these health issues. Now, there's there's no guarantee, but at least you're giving your dog a chance, you know, to to not have all these these uh, health issues. So, you know, I always tell people think about it for yourself. You know, you're either going to pay now for your health, pay for a gym membership, pay for, you know, better food. You're going to be healthy and, and happier or you'll just pay later, you yeah. know, with with doctor bills and, and hospital bills. So 100%. it's kind of hard for people to see. We get a lot of customers that come in, you know, when they realize, oh, my gosh, this food is killing my dog. And then they come in and, and we try to, you know, remedy things at that point. But it's I wish people would come in. And that's great that they do that, you know, but I, I wish people would see <laughs> see the light before. You know, so all these these health issues wouldn't wouldn't have happened. We could have prevented them in the first place. So, well, yeah. now they'll listen to this podcast. Yeah, they? hopefully. Stop guessing what's being added to your pet's food. Feed your pet food made from the freshest and healthiest ingredients found in Steve's Real Food. Every Steve's formula is pH balanced and uses only 100% natural, high quality USDA inspected, free range meats and unprocessed whole and functional foods. Steve doesn't contain any synthetic supplements or ingredients that can't be identified on the ingredient label. Plus, it's loaded with beneficial bacteria from goat milk. We know that what you choose to feed your pet is just as important as what you choose to feed yourself, which is why Steve's Real Food is formulated for optimal health that exceeds AFCO minimums. Steve's is not only great for your pet, but great for the environment. Your pet's food is manufactured by using hydroelectric power and sold to you in a fully recyclable package. Be sure to take advantage of the frequent buyer club. Buy 12 bags of Steve's Real Food. Get one free. See how much better your pet will feel after just a few weeks on Steve's Real Food. Find out more in the podcast show notes. Myth number four, dogs have adopted to eat cooked diets. So this is a funny one for me. I've heard this a few times in the store, but just so we're all on the same page here, you know, dogs have only been eating ultra processed pellets of carbohydrates mixed with uh, synthetics or what we call kibble. Uh, for only 60 to 70 years. So by no means does evolution happen that fast. There's a book that uh, Steve Brown wrote called See Spot Live Longer. It's one of my favorite books, if you haven't read it. But there's very few people that understand or know canine nutrition more than uh, Steve Brown does. But anyways, he writes in his book, he says, for 99.995 to 99.999% of the canine species existence, dogs have eaten their natural ancestral diet which he's referring to as a raw diet. For only 0.005% of their history, they have eaten dry dog foods. 
So for almost 14,000 years, the dog's body, brains, dental structure, digestive system, everything's evolved to utilize uh, a raw diet. So anatomically, they, you know, the digestive system of the domestic dog is still, and that's, this is still from his book, is, is still very similar to those of feral carnivores. You know, I, I kind of understand people you know, say their dog's not a wolf, and, I, and I, I totally understand. I agree with that. Your dog is, is not a wolf. But when you lift the hood and you look at what's happening underneath, you look at their physiology, you look at their anatomy, they're damn near identical. Um, you could also argue that, you know, people say, my dog doesn't look like, I've, I think I've said this in a previous podcast, my dog doesn't, like, my dog's not a wolf, you know, don't look like a wolf. I'm like, yeah, your dog, your chihuahua doesn't look like a Great Dane either. But, you know, people have bred dogs for different uh, physical traits and different uh, behavioral traits, you know, but. You do say that often, inside. but I think it's like, oh, you're right. Yeah, like inside their their physiology and the way they, they metabolize food is, is, is almost identical, so. Bottom line is that, uh, you know, dog's physiology is, is just, it's identical to the gray wolf. I mean, if you look at, you know, I mean, their DNA differs as little as 0.2%. You know, they can breed and uh, produce viable offsprings. There's wolf hybrids all over, all over Ohio, whether you agree with that or not, they're all over and they're healthy dogs, you know, and uh, even to the, you know, according to the Smithsonian Institute, uh, they're taxonomy classification the dogs are are a subspecies of the gray wolf so you have the gray wolf which is canis lupus and right underneath it is canis lupus familiaris which is our modern day dog the myth was that dogs have adopted to eat cooked diets obviously that's that's not true um the very act of of, of cooking meat destroys essential proteins and amino acids and and fatty acids and vitamins and minerals it decreases the the, the overall bioavailability of the food which is why you see all these dry pet foods and you look at the ingredients on the back and it's all 80% synthetics, things you can't even read because they're adding in you know, amino acids, they're adding in fatty acids, they're adding in synthetic vitamins and minerals. It doesn't make any sense. And when you cook it, you have to add supplements back in. So it's, there's, something, there's something wrong with that. Myth number five, you can only get the nutrition it needs from a dry dog food. So this that, is- That like literally makes me cringe. Yeah. Do people really say that? I wouldn't say people that come into the shop because they already know that's not true, <laughs> but it's it's out there for sure. But I think this starts this started a long time ago, um, and a lot of what I'm going to say here is from Amy Marshall's book. Um, Love her. Why you need to feed your dog a raw uh, food diet. She breaks down the history of, of of dog food, but you know we've we've been brainwashed into thinking that the only place we can ensure dogs get everything they need is from a bag of, of food of, of dog food. Somehow, fresh food is incomplete and is not good for them. We have a great thing that comes in the shop. She's 14, 14 years old, which is unheard of. I think she's like on on course to break break the record, but don't quote me on that. But 14 for, you know, for anyone, everyone knows that for 14, you know, as a great Dane, that's a long time to live. Um, and she's been eating raw food since day one. She's never, she's never eaten kibble. I remember when I was a kid and we all, I think we all remember this because I mean, I still hear it in the shop all the time is, you know, I don't feed any table scraps to your dog. You know, or people come in the shop, like I feed, you know, we feed them, you know, Purina and we don't feed any table scraps. And I'm like, well, Damn, like if you're, if you're, if you're only feeding, you know, these ultra processed pellets of garbage, literally, like, I hope they're, I don't mean to sound like demeaning, but if you're, if they're eating just that, that ultra processed food, I hope they're getting some fresh food on top of that, you know, cause that's the only fresh, those table scraps, unfortunately will be the only fresh food they'll ever get. So, and I think it's easy for us to say, how do people not know that? But like, I didn't know until 
Well, I found out. Yeah, dog food has been around. Dog food. I have like right. little quotations. Is to your point. You know, but when it, you it was break around it down like this. Like it was around before you and I were even born. So we were born into this world where it's just like you feed your dog. You know, wait, we don't know day. any better. You know, we didn't know what they're eating before. Um, but this is like it makes me think like okay, if you just compare it to us, like if we were literally just to eat a bag of chips, yeah, all day and just graze on them, yeah, like how yeah. would you feel? Yeah, and and I think Dr. Karen Becker says it best. She says, you know, if if uh, she's like, it's I, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the quote in front of me, but she says it's sad that my peers, so other veterinarians, are the last physicians on earth to to recommend an ultra-processed diet over a fresh food diet, which is very well said. I want to just quickly go through the history because I think it's important here, going back to like the whole brainwashing thing. But dog food was actually invented by an electrician from Ohio, unfortunately, James Spratt. So <laughs> the beginning wasn't so great, you know, just in the first place, but so, you know, I think with a little thought and some good resources, you know, like the Primal Pooch has a great web website, perfectly awesome. The the book I was referring to before, Unlocking the Ancestral Diet by Steve Brown. Uh, Dr. Karen Becker has a, a book for homemade diets. Like there's there's tons of good books out there that you can read and easily achieve a fresh food, a DIY diet that you can do at home. And I will um, say, so Amy Marshall's book, Primal Pooch, we, uh, or she is Primal Pooch, we sell that book in our store, but definitely look it up. I think it's a little over 100 pages, but it was the easiest, like, to understand, and she really breaks things down. And if if the light bulb doesn't go on after that, I... See ya. <laughs> There's no I hope. have no words. Yeah. <laughs> She's a great resource, and her book doesn't have like any like recipes or, or like how to for DIY raw. But if you go to her website, I think it's just primalpooch.com, which is Google Primal Pooch. She's her got Instagram is great too. Yeah, yeah, it's super clean. She's got some really good recipes on her website and some really good information, calculators, things like that. So it's interesting. You're depending on your vet; they might tell you differently that you can only achieve this this complete and balanced food from the from a you know, the, either the food they're selling or from a, a bag of dog food. But you have to remember that veterinary medicine was actually founded in 1895. So that's 35 years after the development of pet food. So as Amy Marshall writes in her, writes in her book, pet food was king when veterinary medicine was invented. So think about that. Like it, it's, they, they, they were heavily influenced from the beginning. They essentially came out of, of pet food and, and they still do. The, these companies utilize vets to sell their food. She also mentions this in her book that, you know, cigarettes once were endorsed by physicians as well, even dentists. They were tested and improved. Same thing with a, this this pet food that they're selling. But this was the age of back then, 50s and 60s. This is was, this was the age of convenience, you know, where, where convenience is progress. But there were skeptics that challenged the industry saying that fresh food was better. Um, and they were obviously right. Like there's there's no debate about that. But to squash that, this fresh food movement, Almost overnight, these these dry pet food companies slapped a complete and balanced label on their foods, and we still see remnants of this today. Like, is it complete and balanced? Is it is it labeled complete and balanced? But I assure you that the commercial raw foods that we sell are not only meeting these these minimum levels of nutrition, but they're actually striving to meet or are meeting the optimal levels of nutrition set by the NRC, which is the, Nas- the National Research Council. You can do this diet at home. I've done it before. And I think it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. Peaking when you did that. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. But it's very time consuming. And two kids and starting a business and everything else, it just got difficult. 
I do recommend starting with commercial raw first, just to get your feet wet and just, you know, kind of get your hands on it and, and get comfortable with it. And then you can kind of, I'm not, I'm not saying that to, to sell you food. I'm just saying that, like, I just don't want you to be discouraged. We did a, uh, we did a podcast on the, the pitfalls of, of dry pet food a couple episodes back. So that's a really, really good episode to kind of understand why kibble is, in my opinion, it is far from complete balance. Myth number seven, do you want to talk about, you want to take this one over? Raw feeding is hard. Yeah. <laughs> I can personally attest to, it is so simple. It Like, I mean, they just make it so easy for you. It's literally like a hamburger patty that you take out of the freezer, put it in a little container, put it in your fridge, and it's ready for the next day. Like, I am someone who has limited time, and I mean, that. I mean, what? 10 Who seconds? are you kidding? You do- <laughs> I don't. Okay. Shit. Only when Anthony is away do I feed the dogs. Yeah. It's his responsibility. I have the kids, it but. It's no, so it's, easy. it is easy. I mean, it's so easy. My dad does it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's, they, they, these companies have so many different, they do patties now. They do, they do nuggets. They do, my dad uses, my dad and Diane, they use a, it's, a, it's called, pronto and it's like i don't want to say it's it's kibble because it's not but it's shaped like kibble it's like the same size it's frozen and you literally scoop it out of the freezer and because it's really small it defrosts really quickly and so you just wait like a couple minutes and then feed so i mean it's it's super easy for the patties and the nuggets like you just you know you defrost you just put in a tupperware container in the refrigerator the night before and it's ready to go the next day and you just kind of keep rotating those are the there, there's other ones there's a, there's a lot of myths out there about raw food I mean, I think the important thing is just to remember we're, we're talking about we're talking about fresh food over extremely processed species inappropriate foods. I hope this helped. I hope this debunks some of these myths that people had in their head. So I think people just again, what's our saying? You know, you don't know what you don't know, and like I feel like if you knew that there were companies to support feeding fresh, that people would take the time. I, I would hope. To explore that and like you always say even if you add 20 percent to a pet's diet i mean that goes such a long way rather than feeding kibble all yeah day, that always day. that always surprises people like really just like 20 percent. i'm like yeah like imagine if you're just eating junk food all day and you mm-hmm. just decide to eat like a salad and grilled chicken like that's gonna have a, a huge bit. impact yeah. yeah so yeah and yeah i compare kibble to junk food it's the same thing we look forward to seeing you at lifetime pet wellness center we have a friendly professional team and offer conventional as well as integrative medical options like acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, stem cell therapy and PRP, and more. Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, and Facebook to learn more about us. So we have a customer question. Hi, Fangs and Fur Friends. I have a podcast question. My pup has been thriving, love that, since we walked through your doors, aw, and switched to Answers Raw Food. One thing, logistic-wise, that has been a challenge is we are big travelers, particularly multi-day camping and backpacking trips. Do you have recommendations on how to keep up her diet on a backpacking trip without lugging around multiple ice packs to keep it fresh? Yeah. Yes, we do. Uh, so this is from from Summer and her dog Zola. It's a super healthy, awesome, very sweet German Shepherd. This is actually a really common question. So, like, what do you do when you travel? Well, if you're a psycho like me, you just take a cooler and lug it around. Um, <laughs> but but 
if you're not a psycho like me, there's there's some good options out there. So you can do there's obviously the freeze dried. So like like Steve's has a really good freeze dried food for a and the, the freeze drying is great for especially like smaller to medium sized dogs. I feel like it's super you know affordable and, and and doable. It's it's essentially the raw food diet, and then they you know they freeze dry it, so they drop the pressure and, and the moisture, and, and you come out with this product. But it's it's more expensive. So if if it's a long trip, it might it might add up pretty quickly. So depending on the size of the dog, uh, another option is Zwe Peak, which I think is like for Zola would be a really good option, just because it's it's. It's really quality food. It's air dried. It's generally air dried. It's a New Zealand based company. They just do a really good job. They have like it's really awesome uh, superfoods in there, like green lip muscle. But it's very similar to you know. There's not a whole lot of carbohydrates in there. It's very similar to the raw food. It's just dehydrated. So, mm-hmm. um, but it almost looks like little chunks of like beef jerky. We have a lot of trainers that use it for treats. It's like super high value. So I can almost guarantee you, your dog will love it. I would still add moisture to it. So I think those are two really good options. Well, and obviously we want you to stock up at Fangs and Fur, but I think something that we also do because we're nerds, we always like if we're going somewhere, we research that area to kind of see if there's another store similar to ours. So like check out, stock up. Yeah, we do that all the time for people like, hey, I'm going down to Tennessee or I'm going down to Florida. And then I'll just I'll just like look up. And then if they don't, I can at least see if they have a freezer and they can usually if they have a freezer in there, they can order this stuff for you. And then you can you can they can like hold it for you for when you get there. So there's service. There's a lot of ways around it, so don't stress out about it. So if you have a question that you want us to answer on our next podcast, you can find us a few different ways. You can send an email to danielle at fangsfur.com. You can find us on our website, fangsfur.com, or you can direct message us on Instagram at fangsandfurpets. The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.